You're listening to the First Six Notes podcast with Classroom Composers, where we dive into everything about teaching band and strings. From pedagogy to fundraising, we'll cover it all. In this podcast, we'll be interviewing successful music teachers, composers, admin, professional private studio teachers, and more to uncover and share their strategies for musical success. So grab a chair and stand and join the conversation. This episode is brought to you by the beginning of the year survival kit for middle school band and strings. Stop reinventing the wheel for the first days and weeks of school. This product includes recruitment flyers and forms, a welcome letter, syllabus templates, required materials with hyperlinks, seating chart templates, name tag templates, classroom rules templates, student information forms, instrument loan agreements, and icebreakers. All files are Google Docs, which can easily be shared via Google Classroom and edited to fit your specific needs. You can find this and more on our Teachers Pay Teachers store, which can be found at www.teacherspayteachers.com slash store slash classroom hyphen composers. Welcome to the First Six Notes podcast, where we talk everything about band, strings, and music. My name is Kevin Hoff. And I'm Jessica Frank, and in today's episode, we are going to break down what the first few weeks of the school year look like. We teach both elementary and middle school band, so we are going to talk about how each of these few weeks looks in both of those situations. Yeah, and uh, the beginning of the school year can be hectic and busy. Um, I know in our school district, we're given, I think, four days. It kind of changes. It seems like it changes every year, but we're given four days, and then the kids show up. And so it seems like it's a lot of time, but it usually never is. So it, it's important to take that time to get all of your stuff ready, like all your paperwork and classroom and all and all that stuff. And then also once the kids arrive, that's a just as important time where you're uh, going over your expectations and your procedures so that you can set your year up for being as successful as possible. Depending on the type of person you are, you might have already begun prepping for next school year before summer begins. Or you're the type of person to just show up and wing it those first few teacher prep days and get it all done then. But either way, we wanted to provide you with some tips to get the year off to a smooth start. All right. So the first thing we're going to talk about is the stuff that you're going to be doing before the kids show up. So this will be hopefully accomplished those first few days um, while you're just in the classroom prepping and you're not in those staff meetings and all that stuff. So the first thing you're going to want to do, and the first thing that I like to do is I create a to-do list. So like what I do is I take a calendar and I look at how many days that I have. So in, in my situation, it would be four days. Then what I do is I look at all the required stuff I have to go to. So that's like the beginning of the year meetings, staff meetings, trainings, if there's like a music teacher, PLC or music teacher meeting or just all that stuff that you have to go to. So I'll go ahead and block that time out. And uh, then after I've done that, I will list everything that has to be done. And then I'll start inserting those tasks into my calendar and my schedule just so I can see if I'm going to have time to get everything that I'm going to need to get done. And uh, this is helpful because I know when I first started teaching, I was like, oh, I got four days to get all the stuff done. And it's like, well, no, because you because you got like meetings every single day and you just have more stuff than you think that you need to get done. So it's helpful for me to see that in in a visual sense. The next thing you want to do is to establish your schedule and the classes that you are teaching. 
So uh, this is really important because, you know, as music teachers, sometimes our admins don't like to give us the schedule that we ideally need to help be successful for our music kids because they like to squish down multiple grade levels into one music class and try to say, you can teach them all together and all that. So it's just, you really have to be an advocate for yourself to make sure you get the schedule that you need so that you can teach your classes properly. So that might mean that you're hopefully starting before summer to get this established, but sometimes it means that you're coming back from summer break and still talking with your office about how to get that schedule set. But either way, it's really important to get the schedule that you need and don't settle because it's really important to help our students learn the instruments as best as they can with the best schedule that we set up for them. Yeah, and uh, that's that's a really good point because like ideally you, you do want to get your schedule set before summer, but and that's something that I've tried to do every single year of my teaching career. But the other thing that might happen is that your current principal might leave and get and get a new job, and then you might have a new principal in. And so far at our current position and our current job, I've had two new principals, and uh, the first thing that both of them did, and this and it's just kind of funny that they both did the same thing, is that they wanted to collapse my two periods of middle school band into one period. And like, you know, I'm like, well, no, like, you can't do that. And you and I gave them the example of, well, you can't teach algebra and geometry in the same class, you would never make the teacher do that. You can't teach beginning band and, you know, intermediate or advanced band or whatever you want to call it in the same class. And they're like, Oh, okay, that makes sense. Or they'd say something like, Oh, well, my old school, they they did it this way. And then I have to say, Well, what was your old school? You know, you know, what was the program like? So uh, like a lot of times, the administration, they just don't typically get it just because they're not band people or string people or music people like we are. So certainly if there's an administration change, you're definitely going to want to make sure that you have the schedule and just be a pain until until you get your schedule. You're good at you're good at doing that, Jessica. <laughs> at being a pain? Oh. Yeah. Well, no, no, about about being a pain about like the schedule and making sure yes. that you have everything that you want. Because like if, if you have to teach sixth through eighth grade band all in one period, I mean, like your your school year is going to be miserable. And the kids aren't going to be successful and you're going to have all sorts of behavior issues. Kids are bored. Kids are struggling. And so uh, that's why we have this so early that I mean, like you have to have your schedule. Not only are the with the students struggle, but you're going to struggle. You're not going to like your job and nobody wants to be in that situation. So it's just really important that you get this all established. And it goes the same if you teach elementary music. Uh, districts do it totally different if somebody sets the schedule for you or if you have to set it. But it, you know, it's all like a puzzle fitting all those times into your schedule and making sure every class is getting the service that they need. Yeah, like and I think as music teachers, even more so than, than any other subject, the scheduling is so important. So moving on, once you have your schedule set, then you want to check your class rosters. Now, depending on your teaching situation, you might not have those like right away. When I was teaching middle school full time, we get like the rosters, it seemed like hours before the kids would show up, you know, they show up on Tuesday, we get them Monday. Some schools might might have it together a little bit more. You might be able to check them like right away. If you're doing pullout elementary like we do, we don't have obviously the class rosters. We have to go or recruit the kids. But once the class rosters are available, it's important to check those to make sure that all of the kids that are in the advanced groups or your intermediate groups that they are placed correctly. And it's also good because uh, one thing that we do is before we go to summer is that we'll send the office a list of kids of, of that say, like, okay, these are all the kids in intermediate band, all the kids in advanced band, or like, you know, your intermediate orchestra or, or whatever it is. And then uh, you can check to make sure that the kids all, in fact, did get into those classes. 
And then if they didn't, then you can see what happened. Maybe they moved over somewhere or maybe the office screwed up and didn't put them in. So it's important to check those rosters and also to make sure there's no beginners that kind of somehow slipped in. Oh, they said they wanted intermediate band. Well, they're sixth graders. They need to go in the beginning class. And it's important that as the music teacher that you advocate for the students here as well, because sometimes the office messes up and puts a music kid in another class and the student just thinks, oh, well, okay, I didn't get banned this year. But, you know, the student's not going to speak up and say anything. And then they just miss out on that. And there's so many times where a few students fall through the cracks and they should be in your classes and they're not. So it's really important that you check with the kids, say, hey, weren't you supposed to be in my class? And then you get them over because you don't want to miss out on the potential students in your groups. Yeah, like, and I think that's a really good point. And it's, and it's also good to check that um, if you have any uh, special ed or English learners that are in band. Because I know I've been at schools where like students with an IP or English learners, they got pulled from just their elective class and take an additional period of of English in the case of like an English learner or an additional period of um, special ed help or whatever. Um, I'm blanking on what that class is called, kind of like a resource class, I guess. And so we've actually worked with the parents and with the special ed and English learner teachers to kind of work out a system so the kids could still be in band, but still get their services and still get their minutes that are required in the IEPs. So that's an important part too. And the next thing you want to do is set your concert dates. It's really important you set these as early as possible because you need to let your office know if you're using your, if you have an auditorium or an NPR, or some sort of venue that you set that in the master calendar because quickly the dates will get set for other events and If you don't set your date, then there could be a conflict of when you wanted to hold your concert. So it's really important you set those right away because everybody needs to know in the school when you're having your concerts. Yeah. And uh, so once you've looked at your calendar and you've set your dates, make sure that you communicate this, like Jessica said, with the office staff and the administration. And if you do this in person, make sure that you follow up with an email so that you have a paper trail or maybe you're just going to email one of the secretaries and be like, these are my concert dates, put them on the master calendar. But it's important to have that email sent so you have a paper trail. And what we found is typically during the winter, if you're doing like a winter concert, like like in December, usually there's not too many issues. The NPR and the auditorium, if you have one, those things are usually pretty free in the winter. But like May, when like the concerts are, We've actually had some conflicts, and this year we actually had a conflict with one of the teachers rehearsing for the talent show. We had put in our dates back back in August at the beginning of the year. She had put in her dates, and somebody screwed up. And luckily, I was able to pull up the email that was dated like on August 10th or whatever, saying, "Hey, we we need the cafeteria um, on this date at this time." And then the teacher she pulled up her email, and it was dated like on August 20th. And so it was like, "Well, we won because we got there first. So. It's very, very, very important, especially for those spring concerts, because those things do get booked very quickly. And then you need to set your concert dates because it is important to set that in your beginning of the year documents. You're going to need to put those concert dates in your syllabus and and or handbook for your group. So it's important to communicate now those dates with the students and their families so that they do not have any conflicts with the concerts. Yeah. Now, speaking of the beginning of the year uh, documents, once you've done those tasks we talked about, making the to-do list, getting your schedule, getting your rosters good, getting your concert dates and communicating that with the office staff, then once we've done that, we'd like to work on some of those beginning of the year documents that Jessica was kind of alluding to. So the first thing that we do is we create our Google Classrooms. And 
If you don't use Google Classroom, but you use some sort of other online platform, you want to make that first. And then after that, you want to start working on the syllabus or your handbook, whatever you call it. You definitely want to include those concert dates. And if you're doing any additional outside um, of the school day practices, you want to get those all set as well, too. And you want to check all your rules, your expectations, and just make sure that handbook and syllabus covers everything that you want to get it set. And it's important that you have all that laid out in the syllabus or handbook because we found out this past year that we didn't have uh, a couple concerts came up last minute. We didn't have them in the syllabus ahead of time. So it's hard to enforce that students attend something when it's a last minute event or an outside school practice. So it's just really important to have that at the beginning. So it sets the expectation that students are required to attend these events. Yeah, like and kind of like also like along the same line, what Jessica was saying, we had some kids find some loopholes in some of our systems. So like, for example, there was one girl that found out or I'm I'm not going to say found out, but she discovered that when she felt like taking a day off and wanted to play video games on her Chromebook, she was okay losing points with that. So now we've made like a harsher punishment for if you forget your instrument um, that your grade's really going to go down. There's a letter that's got to be sent home. And we found another kid that found a loophole in the behaviors. And so he was just a pain in the butt all year. And the admin wouldn't back us on that because it wasn't laid out at the beginning. So we've kind of re-gone over some of those things just to make sure that we're as completely bulletproof as we think, just because we had a few kids that, you know, that found some of the loopholes in our system. So our new handbook for this year spells out every situation you could think of so that it's clear to students and parents that this is what is expected of the student at this certain situation and what they need to do to be successful in our groups. Yeah, yeah. So I think that'll go over very well. Now, uh, once you have your handbook uh, completely done and you have your rules, expectations and consequences, it's important to have an admin take a look at this stuff because our class is so much different than a math teacher. It's so much different than a fourth grade teacher. And I think the administration needs to understand that. And so I like to talk to them and be like, hey, I've got this handbook and these consequences and expectations. I'd like you to take a look at them. And I'd like you to back me on these. And then like you send your handbook out and you have a meeting with the principal. And then either they're going to say, yes, this is fine or no, change this. And so it's just good to have them be on your page because one of the things that we're doing is with some of our consequences, if there's repeated infractions, they will be taken out of band. And so I just want to make sure that if we're actually going to be taking kids out of band, that the principal is okay with that. And the principal is aware of that. And the principal will support us just in case a parent ends up going to the office and they're complaining. And the principal can pull up the handbook and be like, well, here's the reason why your kid's out of band. Sorry, I can't help you. So it's it's important that you need to communicate that stuff. And then the next thing is to communicate all that with the students, with your rules and expectations. We have posters in our rooms that uh, we printed up ourselves that shows all these rules and we go over that with the students. So that's part of our beginning of the year documents. Yeah. And and we'll talk a little bit more uh, later in the episode about how we scaffolded that whole thing because like the handbook's kind of long and we're not just going to sit there and read it with them the first day and we're going to take our time and make sure that they really understand that. So in addition to doing your syllabus and your handbook, some other things that you're going to want to get done is you're going to want to get your recruitment letters and forms done. 
This is going to be helpful, certainly if you're teaching a pullout class where you're going to have to send some communication home. But we find it's also helpful if you're teaching middle school as well, because when it comes to like those beginning classes of middle school, we do like to do uh, some soft recruitments with with some of these kids. And we'll talk a little bit more about what that looks like in middle school. If you, if you have the rosters of your class, you can start working on your seating charts. Certainly, if you were prepared the year before and you know what all the kids are playing in your intermediate and, and advanced groups, you can just get those seating charts set. The other thing that we like to do for our beginning classes, certainly for the kids that we might not know yet, and we do this with our elementary classes, is we make name tags for all the kids. Yeah, the name tags are really helpful so that the students know where to sit without, you know, arguing over where they sit or just being confused. So it just helps bring organization to the class. Yeah, and uh, and uh, the name tags, what we do is is we have a template and we and we just copy the kid's name down and put, put it in the, into the template. And then what they do is once they get their name tag, they fold it in half and, and sits on their music stand so that we can... First of all, we can see their name, and like Jessica said, it shows them where to sit, so it takes away one of those questions as the end of the room. The next thing we like to prepare for the beginning of the year is a student information sheet. So uh, we like to do this now with a Google spreadsheet just because it's easier for the kids to type up and saves paper and easier for us to sort and read. So included in this would be information about their prior playing experience, what they know about music, have they played an instrument before, what their other interests are, anything we need to know about them, how they best learn, just for us to get to know the student. It's going to be asking if they're moving because uh, we work on a military base, so the kids move all the time. That's helpful for us to know, you know, or is this kid going to be here for our festivals in March? Is this kid going to be here for our Disneyland field trip in May? And so uh, that information is very helpful for us as well. And it's also good for them to put down their parent information too because, Sometimes the office parent information is not always up to date, so we can pull that up and and grab a phone number if we need to. The other things that we need is we need an instrument uh, loan agreement form, and uh, this is if the kids are using school-provided instruments. Your district might already have one of these that you're ready to go, but uh, um, in our case, we have to make ours each year. And then the last thing we have are some like icebreakers and team-building activities, and we use these the first week, and we'll talk about this uh, this this first week a little bit later. And we use these to kind of uh, mop up some of the extra time that we might have at the end of class before we get into the instruments. So that's all the beginning of the year stuff. You want to create your Google Classrooms, you want to have your syllabus handbook ready, your recruitment letters, seating charts, name tags, student information sheets, your loan agreements, and some of those icebreaker activities. The next thing we like to do is backwards plan. So we want to think about the skills we want our students to know by the end of the school year, and then we can plan the rest of the school year knowing these details. So we take that and apply that to each class and grade level. So we use this information then to plan each every day, every class we see them, but what exercises we're going to do in the method book, what warmups we're going to do to achieve all these skills. Yeah, and it's it's helpful because it gives us a goal. And I find that if we don't have a goal, then we end up just doing the same thing over and over again. And I was certainly guilty of this my first years of teaching is that I'd be like, all right, well, I don't know what we're going to do. Let's just play every single song in the folder. And then it's like, well, like, what's the point of that? Like, why do you need to play every single song in the folder? Like, we need to make sure that we're moving forward each and every single day. So it's a lot of work. It's a lot of time. But once you do it once, then each year you just kind of have to fine tune some stuff. 
So certainly backwards planning and planning out every single day. If you don't want to go every single day, if you're teaching middle school and you see the kids every uh, like every single day, I mean, like that's a lot of classes. But you can certainly backwards plan each week. I mean, there's only what, like 20 weeks of school or something like that. Maybe 30 weeks. I don't know. And so uh, if you plan each week and you make goals for each week, then that was super helpful for me to make sure that we're always moving forward. So you don't want to over plan this next step, though, and you don't want to select your sheet music just yet. You want to wait to see how your groups are progressing and see where their strengths are, where their, your weaknesses are in the class, and base the music on those things. And don't try to just plan ahead and pick your music thinking that, oh, my group will be able to play this for the winter concert or the spring concert. And then they never get there because the problem with that, you if you select something too hard and you already tell your kids, oh, we're going to play this song, then either you play it and it sounds terrible because they're not ready for it, or you don't end up playing it and the kids are disappointed. So you really want to wait till it gets closer to the concert to pick the music. Yeah, like, and I think it's interesting because uh, we, we had a little bit of, of this problem uh, this year with, with our 7th and 8th grade class because we thought we had an idea of what they'd be like based on what they played like the year before. And for example, we had a pretty decent 6th grade flute section. And then this year, it was just like... The flute section was just not quite as ever as good as we thought that they were going to be based on how they were in sixth grade. And it's just interesting how like the kids grow, their interests change. And each year there's always kids that surprise me in both directions. Kids that were like, whoa, like you were like not very good or into it last year and you've gotten way better. Or wow, you were great last year. What happened to you? So each year's different, each band is going to be different, each orchestra is going to be different, and there's not really any way of knowing what they're going to be like. I mean, I mean, like you might have an idea, but the idea I've always had always changes. And so you just want to wait until you kind of have more of a general sense of the group. And um, on, on the subject of waiting, once you have your curriculum all set, you know, like, what materials uh, you're going to need, I'm going to suggest that you wait until you make your music copies, until your rosters are completely set. Just because if you don't do that, it's a waste of time and paper. And like I used to be like, all right, I'm just going to make all the warmups I need on the first day that we come back. And if I have extras, that's fine. So I'd make like, you know, like 40 clarinet copies and like 30 trumpet copies. And then by the time I saw the kids, I was like, well, I've got like six clarinets in this class. So or we copied off a piece that we thought we were going to play and we never got or, to. Yeah, exactly. So. Like that too. And you just, and you just get kind of copy happy. And it's just a waste of time and paper. And to copy off like a class worth of stuff, unless you're teaching a beginning band of like 100 plus kids or, you know, 150 kids or something like that. I mean, it doesn't take that long to copy off that stuff. So I'm just going to suggest that you wait until you have your instrumentation and your roster is completely set before you make those copies. And and also, you're probably not playing the first day anyway, so like you will have some time. So the next thing you want to do is to set up your classroom. You got to set up the chairs into your rows, set out the music stands if you want. Like Kevin said, you're not necessarily playing right away, but you probably want to get your room set up, so put the stands out, tidy up any messes that were left over from the last school year, get the instruments out and ready to go to distribute to students and just kind of get everything ready. 
Yeah, like in the uh, typically I find that I like to set up the classroom on my very last day before the kids show up. So then I'm focused for like those first three days on just getting all the curriculum and all the materials all ready to go. And then like the last thing I'll do is I'll put the chairs out. And I do this because I'm not sure how many kids are going to be in the class yet because rosters are either they're not created or they're still fluctuating. And I also find that like if, if I'm in a total pinch, I can get a room set up in 10 minutes. And I find that if I do like the room, the first thing, because I think that's always kind of our like our gut reaction. Like, all right, let's let's get this room set up. First thing I want to do. But then like you can end up spending hours on it and just kind of obsessing over things. Whereas if you have like a limited amount of time, I find that I'm forced to be more efficient uh, with the room and I can get the chairs all set up. And I really like uh, like I said, on the first day, you're not going to be playing anyway. So it's just like, do you need music stands the first day? No. Do you need all the percussion out the first day? No. Like, all you need is just chairs and a syllabus. That's all you need for the first day. So, like, you don't need to overthink it at all. Next, we want to talk about what each class looks like for the first five weeks of school. So, we're going to give you two examples. The first one is going to be what our elementary pullout classes are going to look like. And then we'll talk about what our middle school classes are going to look like. For the elementary classes, we see the kids at two days a week for 30-minute lessons. And this is a pullout, so we do have to do recruitment to get those rosters set, and we do not see them on the first day of school because they're still in their elementary classes. And for our middle school classes, that's just a typical, we see them second period or fourth period. And for those ones, we do see them every single day. So let's start off with the elementary timeline. So during that teacher prep week, we want to make sure that we get we get everything set up. So we will inventory the instruments if needed. We like to get our inventory done before summer. But if maybe you're starting a new job, you want to get your instruments inventoried if you have them. You want to get your schedule set. As an elementary teacher, we have to set up our own schedule. So this is a little bit more involved than you think because you have to uh, communicate over several different schools. So we're both at three schools. I've been at as many as six schools. And... So like you just got to get a spreadsheet out and you just got to map out your day and then you got to check with principals and you got to check with classroom teachers and just make sure that everybody's okay with it and make sure that you're not planning during recess time or during lunch time or during their PE time. And so to make a schedule takes 30 minutes, but to get it approved by everybody could take the entire week. So it's just something you got to kind of be on top of. Once you've got your schedule set, you want to set up all of your classrooms. And like I was talking about before, we like to do this towards the end because we have several rooms to set up and you just kind of got to be efficient with the stuff. What do you need the first day? Chairs. That's what you need. So that's usually just what we set out the first day are chairs. And in some cases, we're sharing rooms with other people. So we, we might not even be able to set up the room so we can at least get the chairs ready. And then the last thing we do during that teacher prep week is to schedule our recruitments. And we have to do the recruitments because we need kids to join music. So we'll send out an email to the classroom teachers and we'll usually just give them the window. We'll say, hey, we're going to be popping around to all fourth and fifth grade classrooms at Tuesday between the hours of nine and 11. If you'd like us to come at a certain time because you have a, I don't know, strict schedule and, and some teachers do have and some teachers do like that please just tell us a time and, you know, we might get a teacher that says, please come at 945. All right, that's cool. But the rest of them are like, all right, just show up whenever and we'll just stop teaching. You guys can do your thing. All right, 
So that's what we need to do. Uh, That's what we need to accomplish during that teacher prep week. And the first week of school, we don't see the kids because they're with their teachers for elementary. And uh, they're with their teachers in their normal classrooms. So the first week of school, we do our recruitments. So for recruitment, we go around to each elementary classroom and we talk to the classes about what music class is like. So we teach band. So we talk to them about the instruments they can choose from, what it's like when they come to our classroom and the expectations that are set out for them in elementary music. And then we give them a form that says all this as well. So they can take it home with their parents and talk it over with them. And this form will include things like the instruments and how they can obtain one if they want to get their own, how they go about doing that, and then how they sign up. And we have an online system through Google. We just have them join a Google Classroom and fill out a Google form. And again, that it makes it easier for us to have a spreadsheet so that we can see it all easily spelt out when they sign up. It's a lot easier than paper forms trying to read the handwriting. And also this keeps a timeline for when they sign up because we do like to keep a hard deadline about signing up so we can see with the Google form what day they filled it out. Yeah, because in certain situations, we might need to, like if we don't have enough instruments, then we can say, all right, well, it's first come, first serve. Or if the classes are too big, it's first come, first serve. So that timeline and that date is certainly helpful. All right, so once we've done the recruitments, and, and that'll take the entire first week of school, on the second week of school, the kids are still able to sign up, but we'll do instrument sizing and mouthpiece testing. So the instrument sizing is what we do in the string classes, and that's what our string teachers do in our district. And um, what will basically happen is that they'll make a schedule, and they're going to say, all right, all kids from so-and-so's fourth grade class, you're going to come to the music room. And basically, they just make a line, they size them up, we write down the size of each kid, and okay, you're a half-size violin, you're a three-quarter-size violin, and so on, so that they know what their size is and so that we know what their size is. For band, we'll do a mouthpiece testing time where we just go through a whole lot of mouthpiece spray and we'll check to see how they do on clarinet mouthpieces and trumpet mouthpieces and flute head joints and so on. And uh, this is during the uh, second week of school. We don't need kids signed up at this point. If we end up sizing an extra kid, that's fine. If we end up testing an extra kid on the mouthpiece, that's fine too. But on that second week of school on that Friday, that's our last day for the kids uh, to sign up. And after that date, there's absolutely no more signing up for music because we need to get our roster set and we need to communicate them with the classroom teachers. And we need to make sure that we can make our name tags. And so we just can't have anybody else joining in. And so that last Friday is the last day for music signups. And during the second week, when you're doing the testing and sizing, it's actually important. It reminds them when you see each other to sign up for music or if they have any questions, they can come in and talk to you about it before the actual class starts. So it's a good time to get those things situated before music class. Yes, exactly. And sometimes them just seeing the music teacher be like, oh, yeah, I need to bug my mom to sign up. So that's helpful. Okay. On our third week, that's when we have our first official classes of music. And during that third week, we actually don't do instruments yet. The first two days, we go over our expectations, the rules of being in music. We give the kids their music books and their music folders. And this this does take the entire week because we only see the kids twice for 30 minutes. So we only have an hour with them. So that's what we do during the first 
week of music class that will answer questions. And it's, it's just helpful to get the kids into a routine of walking from fourth grade down to the music room and then walking back. So, so they kind of start getting an idea of what their schedule is going to be like. Walking, not running. Walking, exactly, <laughs> in the single file line because they're fourth graders. And then the next week is spent doing instrument distribution. So this can be done several ways depending on how you prefer. But um, we try to have the instruments already with the students' name tags on there so that they don't write it incorrectly, uh, you know, maybe misspell their name or not put, you know, an address or a phone number on there. So we try to do it for the students. So it's already there, ready to go. We show the students where their instrument is stored in the classroom so they know where to find it and not get it lost. And so all that actually does take another week. So that's our fourth week. And then our final week is the first day of instruction with the instrument. So that very first day is just very basic stuff, how to sit in your chair, how to open the case, all of that. Yeah. And, you know, for band, it's like we're just going to do mouthpieces that first day. And then uh, for strings, there's just going to be posture and pizzicato or maybe just bowing an open string or or how to hold the instruments. So by the fifth week, yeah, we've got the instruments going and we start getting them with their rules and their procedures. And then everything just kind of follows from there. All right. And that's our elementary timeline. And we're going to move on to what our middle school timeline is going to look like. So during that teacher prep week, it's, we've kind of talked about this. We're getting set up, inventorying the instruments. We're getting the rooms all set up. We're doing the schedule. We're making sure we've communicated our expectations with, with the administration. So just kind of some more, more of the same stuff. Remember, first day, you just need chairs set up. All right. During the first week of school, we actually, our district has started something new. We have like minimum days for our first week of school. And our first week of school is, I think, three days. It starts on a Wednesday or something. And on minimum days, we actually don't have band or we don't have any other electives. So we do some recruitments during that time with the middle school kids. So we'll go around to the sixth grade classrooms and even the seventh and eighth grade classrooms. And we'll talk about band, band a little bit. We'll see if anybody's interested. And if they are interested, then we'll, we'll get their name and we'll add them with the office to our beginning classes. This is also a good time to finish up if you didn't get your classroom set up or your documents printed just yet to finish that up during this first week of school if you have minimum days and no music as well. So after that's the second week. So this is where we talk about on the very first day with the students, we have our syllabus we go over and the rules and expectation and we demonstrate the instruments for beginners and they test out the mouthpieces because they have to pick an instrument. Then we do instrument distribution for the advanced students who already know what they are playing. And so like the first day itself, we'll just be all the syllabus. We'll, we'll just go over the whole thing. And then for the rest of the week, we'll do about half the class on going over certain parts of the syllabus just to make sure that they understand all of the expectations and consequences. And then the second half of the class, like Jessica was saying, that's when we'll do the instrument demonstrations. And then the next day, we might do the mouthpiece testing and on that same day, the instrument distribution for the for the advanced kids. The goal by the end of the week is to get our instrumentation set for the beginner so they know what they're playing. We get the instruments sent out to the advanced kids and that all the rules and expectations are thoroughly explained. At the beginning of this podcast, we talked about the icebreakers. There tends to be a little bit of extra time at the end of classes. So we have those icebreakers that are copied off and we can pass those out to and mop up some time if needed. The next week is spent with our first mouthpiece lesson for our beginner students after the instrument distribution. And then for our advanced or intermediate students, we do a review unit. Because they 
forget a lot during the summer. So we'll just kind of build them up again. Because I think one of the mistakes that we made is we tried to like start them where we left off. All right, well, we finished page 41. So we're going to start on page 42. And that that was a mistake. So definitely, we're going to be doing uh, a good amount of review before I push into new territories. All right, moving on to week number four, we're going to continue working on math pieces for the beginners. And we're, we're going to also spend some of that time doing some basic music theory, and some basic instrument maintenance stuff for the beginners, just so that they know once they start using the full instrument, how to, how to take care of it. And they're not taking their instruments home at this point. So we, we, we just got to make sure that they know how to take care of it so that when it does go home, that it's not going to become broken. With, with the advanced kids, we're going to continue that review unit and we'll probably pass out some sheet music as well. Some easy stuff that they maybe some of it they played last year, but some of it's probably at the same difficulty as last year. And then week five, we start our beginners with their instruments, and then we finish the review unit for the advanced students. Right. So by the end of week five, ideally, the advanced kids, they're somewhat close to where they were at the end of last year. So we can start kind of pushing towards some new stuff. And then the beginners, they can take their instrument home and we're starting to kind of go through like that method book and putting fingers down and playing notes and stuff like that. So uh, there you have it. That's how we get ready for the first few weeks of school. And I find that by getting off to a smooth start, usually around week six or so, things just kind of start flowing. There's a lot less prep and you just like, all right, well, I got my copies. I'm just going to show up and teach now. And uh, once you get to that point, it's pretty nice. It really makes the job much easier. So that's why we like to just take the time and think about everything that needs to be done at the beginning. It's a little bit tough and a little extra work, but it's worth it because it sets you up for a successful school year and your students as well. Yeah, so we want to hear from you and uh, we'd like to know what your thoughts are about how you organize yourself for the beginning of the school year. If there's anything that you do that's different than us or anything that you do in addition to the things that we do. We have a Facebook group. If you search up the First Six Notes podcast on Facebook, you'll find us. So we encourage that you join that and you keep this conversation going. Make sure you like and subscribe. And shout out to our super producer, Tammy, for putting this whole thing together. And until next time, keep teaching, keep inspiring, and happy summer, everybody. And that's it for this episode. Be sure to subscribe to the show, leave us a review, share it with a friend, connect with us on Instagram, and check out the show notes. And while you're at it, check out our Teachers Pay Teachers store at www.teacherspayteachers.com slash store slash classroom hyphen composers and our website at classroomcomposers.com. Until next time, keep inspiring.